Okay, Dave, sit down. Good morning, everyone. How comes everybody's sitting in the back? Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I should wear my mask, but my glasses steam up, then I can't see anybody. Yeah, pain in the neck. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's, that's because Ryan pinched her. She's going to lay down. <laughs> Today we have a birthday. If you look at the back of your bulletin, you're going to see that Christine Baker has a birthday today. Now, when you walked in, if you were observant, there's a cart in the back, and uh, there's some goodies on the cart. After worship, you're invited to help yourself to the goodies. And Christine informed me since it's her birthday, she's not going to stand back there and hand them to you. You just pick up what you want and do your thing as if you've never done that before. So, so we have to remind our organist, Mr. Walter, that when we get to the praises and so forth, that we sing happy birthday to Christine. We have to sing it to her 39 times because she's 39 years old. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think there's any other announcements that we have to make. Uh, there is a little newspaper clipping down on the bulletin board that I happened to cut out of the newspaper uh, concerning one of our congregational members. You might want to look at that when you get a chance after worship. And uh, we'll go from there. Okay, we have an opening hymn, ladies and gentlemen. If you turn to number 504, well, we have a joy, like I said earlier, Christine's birthday. Uh, Bill, we haven't heard anything about mom lately. Can you give us a little update? Yeah, good morning. Yeah, uh, Mary's doing really well. Very surprisingly, she recovered and uh, she went back to her personal care room on Monday. And um, her spirits have been great. She called me the other night and talked to me for a half hour. It's like for um, every time, you know, you think she's um, kind of near the end of the road, she just rallies and uh, she kicked the can down the road for a little while yet. Okay. So... Just taking it day by day and just hope for spirits and, um, you know, as long as she feels, you know, positive, it's, yeah. you know, yeah. that's the main thing and her spirits are great being back in her room. So. Yeah. Yeah, and they allowed them back in the cafeteria for the first time last week. It's uh, one person at a table, but at least they're able to get out of the room and mingle a little bit. 
We're back to uh, window visits when she was in uh, Leffler, which is a um, high-skilled nursing, 24-hour nursing. Um, for who you don't know, there's independent living like Ken and Marion. They're on their own, basically. And then what my mother was, and then there's a personal care, which you're on your own, but they give you medicine, make your bed, and do everything for you, but you're on your own for the most part. And then there's a high-skill 24-hour nursing like is Leffler. So it, when we were in Leffler, we were allowed inside the building, window partition, and you're allowed to be six feet from the window. She's six feet from the window, a little slot at the bottom. It was right outside the kitchen. The compressor from the kitchen's running. She didn't have her hearing aid. It's like you're half screaming. And, uh, oh, my God, that was the longest hour of my life. <laughs> Had such a headache. You couldn't hear anything. She couldn't hear anything. She wasn't talkative that day. So, But um, what a difference a week makes. So we're very thankful. Tell her we love her and we miss her. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. That's good news. Christine, do you have anything you need to update us on? Yeah. Yeah. Seven years old, John. Wow. Yeah, as as is little Colson. Yes. Has anybody had any updates on that little baby, Colson? I haven't heard anything for a week, maybe. So I'm praying that everything is going yeah. well with the little guy. So, what a miracle that is! Yeah. Fantastic miracle. Okay. Did you all hear that? Goldie's having a heart catheterization on Thursday. Uh, they found that she, her lower part of her heart was not getting uh, an, enough oxygen, so she was having pain with that, so she's going to have a catheterization. Uh, hopefully that will correct the situation. Do you want to give us any more information, Mary? Okay. 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 All right. Does anybody else have anything they need to share? Yes, sir. Oh. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> She's talked today. I went to... um. My doctors who uh, said everything went, he said to me, before I go, let you release to your family doctor, I want to see him one more time. Okay. And he likes to read the, the results, oh, my, my, my results, my counts. And he said, I want to see you one more time before I release you to my family doctor. And I just, one of my friends just said, I was watching the news that, there's two hurricanes coming, oh, same time, one going to Texas and one going to Florida. Please, if you ever have family in Florida or in Texas, just pray for them. Yeah, yeah, two at the same time. 
no, uh, Lucille or, or uh, Eleanor, Joyce Strickler. John, let me get over there, sir. We're not using the microphone, and we should. I was debating whether I should share or not. But I, there's a scripture that says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And I think about that sometimes. When, when something good happens to me, That's so trivial, but it's a good gift. Oh, yeah. And I have decided to believe that those good little trivial gifts come down from the Father of Lights. Oh, yeah. And when the Holy Spirit leaves this world, there aren't, there aren't going to be any trivial good things that happen because all of these things that happen are, are gifts from our Father. All good things, yeah. No matter how big or how small, you know. Yeah, we. You're right, John. We we spend a good bit of time, and rightfully so, on all the wonderful things that happened to your granddaughter and uh, little Colson. But all the little things that happened, you know, it's, it's good. <laughs> One little thing that always amazes me, and I guess it shouldn't, but I don't drive on the highways very much. On, on 322, I mean, going into Harrisburg and like that. And whenever I leave Hummelstown and I go over to the Cloverleaf and I go down the ramp, I keep saying, oh, Lord, just let me get out here because I'm not a fast driver. And invariably, there's a big space in the traffic. <laughs> and I just drive right out. And not every time, but many, many times. And I think, wow, yes, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and and I get out. Yeah, because I, I, I don't drive fast, and uh, the lady I live with knows that, and she always criticizes me because I don't drive fast, but I don't. Yeah, yeah. So if you put your Bible on my car, it won't blow off either. So. Okay, well, does anybody have anything else? I walked up here and didn't ask. Does anybody have anything else to? My brother. Uh, well, he's coming along. Uh, they took the wiring off of his jaw. Uh, I talked to him last night. He's eating, he's eating uh, more than baby food now. 
but he said, that, believe it or not, he said even if he eats mashed potatoes and there's a lump in the mashed potatoes and he bites on it accidentally, it, it gives him pain. But uh, he's coming along, so we'll keep, keep him in our prayers. It's amazing. Oh, well. He said, I still can't figure out why I stepped off the ladder when I was up at the top. So that happens. All right. Well, let's come before the Lord with prayer and thanksgiving. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the wonderful good things you give us, the tiny, tiny little things and the wonderful great things, such as the babies that have been touched by you and healed, and we pray that they will continue to enjoy a good life. And as they get older, they will understand that it was you and only you that gave them this opportunity. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we have individuals that we think about that have been named today, and we specifically think about Mary, wonderful person and a great, great warrior for you. Thank you for good news about Mary. And thank you and so much more. We pray for individuals that are still struggling with, with handling this pandemic. Give them strength, Lord. Let them know that even though they are isolated and quarantined, we are thinking about them. And we, are, we constantly pray for them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those individuals. And we pray a blessing on those that are, are experiencing procedures such as Goldie. Give her strength and give her calmness, Lord, as she goes into that procedure. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we think about individuals across the waters, especially in Nigeria, Lord. Thank you for the faith that those individuals exhibit. Thank you for standing with them. Thank you that they praise you even under difficult situations. Improve their faith, Lord. Let our brothers and sisters in Nigeria know that we think about them and we pray for them. Not only them, Lord, but Christians throughout the world. And even here in our own country, help them improve our faith let us stand above and persevere. Thank you, Lord. This country needs you, Lord. We need your guiding light. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us as we go forward. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things in your Son's holy name, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Anointed One. Amen. What if I got three remotes just to watch one TV? Go figure. And the, and this this we got we got the hey it's on it's on so I don't need that one anymore I'll stick that back in my pocket and then I got a little doodad. All right. Well, how are you doing today? Thank you. 
Thank you, David. Uh, Lord is good to us. Even when we think he isn't, he's really good to us. And uh, to uh, whenever you feel like maybe God is your problem, catch yourself at that because God is not our problem. God is the one who watches over us, cares for us, wishes the best for us, wants true fulfillment. That's heavenly fulfillment for every single one that he's created. Um, and the devil gets us to think that when we have problems, you know what? It was God's fault. God you know, God did this to me. Well, you know what? It, that's a long shot. Now, there's people in the Bible that God did it to them because. And we can think about the people that lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. We can think about people that, were, that died in the flood. And there's others, okay. And God did that. But most of the time, dear friends, and especially for believers, most of the time, it's not God's fault. A lot of times, it's my own stupid fault. Anybody besides me, it was, it was my own stupid fault. Yeah, well, I, got, I got some hands. I didn't even ask for hands. I got some hands on that one. Uh, you know, it's, this is like, uh, don't blame God for the big peanut butter thing. So, so I'm getting it down, and it's, and it's about this big. You know, I, I like peanut butter, so it's a big thing that I got. But it slipped out of my hands, and where did it go? No, no, no. No, I mean, the lid was still on, see. On my foot, and guess what? I didn't have shoes on, I had bare feet. From here down to my toe, now that's six feet. Kerbang on my, I, don't go blaming God for that. That was my own, you know, why wasn't I? Yikes, I'm still limping around a little bit for that deal, you know. My sweet wife, she, got, she gets out the ice, you know. She packs ice around my, get a towel, and there's my foot, you know, you put the ice on it. But it's going to be black and blue for a while, you know. Don't, so, you've got problems, don't blame it on God. Yeah, the other thing, it can be just other contrary people that do it to you. And then there's the devil. There's a lot of different, you know, you, by the way, start with yourself. Was this my own stupid fault? <laughs> yeah. now, even when other people do it to you, you go, well, maybe I inspired this somehow, you know. Don't, don't start with God saying, you know, oh, this must be God's will, you know, this, you know, God let it happen, so it must be his will. And God, you know, really it's God's fault because he didn't stop it. Oh, come on. That's not the universe. You're living in an imaginary universe, all right? Well, today we want to, uh, up is down and down is up. It, it, it's, it's Chinese, and they think differently, <laughs> We want to we take an old, 
an old PowerPoint. This is more than 15 years old, and I, I just pretty much redid this PowerPoint. Had a different title and had about uh, 15 slides I got rid of. All right, but but to say this is what's but this cross and this heart and the grapevine and everything is is really the sort of the inspiration uh, of this sermon and uh, this message and uh, to uh, to. So, like most folks were around when, when this was made, right? And uh, I remember coming here the first time, and that was one of the things I, I saw my first time into this building. And I go, ah, oh, something, somebody knows about Alexander Mack. <laughs> um, Up is down and down is up. <laughs> Brethren, heritage and our Christi Christian aspirations for, for over 300 years. The brethren have emphasized, number one, these are two things that are involved in this cross. All right. Number one, an internal, that's on the inside of you, dear on the inside of your head, on the inside of your heart, internal, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. And historically, that has been called pietism. All right? There's another thing that uh, the brethren have emphasized, and the brethren have said, yeah, and you've got to try to balance these. The other thing is an external, uh, that's on the outside, that's what other people see about you on the outside, an external obedience to the Lord Jesus in one's lifestyle, and that is called anabaptism. Guess who camps right there at anabaptism and uh, pretty much anabaptism and you go to a wedding and they preach against pietism and the only ones there that are into pietism is me and my wife. That was a Mennonite wedding. Mennonites and Amish have a tendency of being big on the Anabaptism, forget the pietism. And I've heard it right from the pulpit. Now this was a, a very conservative group uh, a black bumper, uh, Mennonite, my brother, who lives out over uh, Dillsburg, um, and it was one of, when one of my uh, nephews got married, uh, and I and I felt that the minister was, and there was like 300 people at the wedding, but I he was looking at me the whole time, <laughs> and he preached a wedding sermon against. That pietism, you know, and there I'm sitting. Well, okay. So, there, so you go, well, what's the difference between brethren and Mennonites and Amish? Well, so here's a point. The, the brethren will say, yes, what you do on the outside is important. That's number two. 
But what goes on on the inside between you and the Lord on the inside, that is just as important, if not more so. Okay, and we will, we will say that we emphasize that uh, more than most. All right? Um, sort of going along with that, establishing our spiritual aspirations. Spiritual aspirations is where we want to go, what we want to do, our aspirations, spiritual aspirations. By what we find in the scriptures and by the working of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. So if you have that in your heart, I'm going to figure out what the Bible says about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus and then for the Holy Spirit to make that real to me, okay, that it is an experience. You, do you trust that everything in your experience is that you interpret the, your experience exactly right? Well, no, I, I mess up, but I'll tell you what, having a walk with Jesus Christ it's important for me to say, you know what? Yeah, that's real to me. Is it real to you? That is pietism. And the other thing is being aware of our heritage, at least enough to have an understanding of how God has worked through the brethren over the years. And, um, and the Mennonites and the Amish can say that too. They, they're, if you look at them, they, they're sort of into that. Here it is, folks. That is the source of the construction of this cross. It's been sitting out here on the landing uh, in the stairway. Uh, that's where it comes from, right there. Uh, Mid-1700s, and there's documents that have this seal stamped and was actually uh, just red ink, and he would, he would stamp documents, and we're pretty sure that it was designed not by Alexander Mack Sr., who was the founder of, of the Brethren over in Schwarzenau, Germany, but uh, his son, Alexander Mack Jr., all right? And this is, so historically, so what, three, over 300 years, way over 300 years, uh, is saying... The heart in this emblem represents the pietism, the experience of loving Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Isn't Jesus wonderful? You know, uh, that's your pietism. That's my pietism, all right? And then the fruitfulness that flows out of my life. You know, I would really like to punch Mike in the nose. I don't do that. I'm nice to him. All right, that that is the the experience of you know. I would like to do one thing, but I'm going to obey Jesus instead. I'm going to be nice to him. And it says, "Pray for my enemies," and all that. See, all right, and and yeah, and he's really happy. Yeah, you know, he doesn't want a bloody nose. I'm not sure. I used to be able to do that uh, pretty easily. I don't know if I could. I'm not strong enough anymore to do that. So. So you're sort of off the hook. How many have ever seen, seen that emblem before? It, if you go back in the library and find the Brethren Encyclopedia, that is on the front of the Brethren Encyclopedia. 
A fellow by the name of Bernard Eller, who I knew when he was alive and was in some of his workshops, took the Mac seal and he sort of drew this up, okay? And uh, there's a number of parts to this. So this is an adaptation that Bernard Eller had. Uh, by the way, Bernard Eller's daughter-in-law would be, is chaplain over at Londonderry Village, uh, Mary Eller. That would be a daughter-in-law of Bernard Eller. And uh, they, would, they would come to Coventry sometimes when I was pastor there, and especially Bernard's wife, what was her name? Was it Mary? Remember what Bernard's, after he died, she, would, she came for the, because she's related to all the cults. Mary, 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 maybe, okay. Well, anyway, so let me, let me just point out some things here. He, so he, uh, Bernard took this picture of a heart on a cross and the fruit on it, and then he, he put on some things to, uh, to say, this is the brethren uh, ideas over the years, okay? And, he, so this, and he's the only one that, to really do this. One of them is fruit bearing. And of course, you can see the grapes here, okay? Up at the top is nonconformity. Down at the bottom, which is that we don't have to look like everybody else. And if, you know, if, and if all the ladies are going to wear shirts or skirts so short that it's almost obscene, well, we don't have to do that, all right? Or et cetera, et cetera. If, if they're going to run off in crazy politics like, no, we don't need to do that. Okay. Whatever we see in the world, no, we don't need to conform to that. Okay. The brethren have always been there, and some more so than others. And all I have to do is look at some of the pictures, and I go, ooh, <laughs> yeah, well, he doesn't look like the normal guy. Nonconformity. Down here is the ordinances, O-R-D-I hyphen N-A-N-C-E-S, ordinances. That would be like baptism. That would be like... Uh, uh, bread and cup communion. That would be anointing for healing. That would be um, feet washing. All right. Things ordained by the Lord Jesus that believers should do. The ordinances. And in other, another sermon I may do nonconformity or this one over here. Guess what I found under this cross out there in the on the landing is is the uh, what do you call these things? Transparencies. Trans these transparencies were under underneath that that cross. Mike and I thank you, Mike, for helping me move that in here. And uh, this says what that says. Gemeinschaft. That's this one here, Gemeinschaft. And then the English word community, all right, community, 
What is Gemeinschaft? Gemeinschaft is a, a German word, by the way. Preaching at Coventry was in German until 1858, which is, which is right before the Civil War. That's how long they preached in German at Coventry and sang in German over there at Coventry. Uh, it's all English now, and I haven't found anybody that can, can, can speak German anymore. Uh, for a while, I knew a man there that uh, was, uh, he was Pennsylvania Dutch, not Mennonite, not Amish, but Pennsylvania Dutch. What was he? He was German Lutheran and grew up with Pennsylvania Dutch in the home as a Lutheran up um, east of Allentown, south of, south of Allentown area. Bunch of Germans up there, uh, but, they're, but they're not Mennonites. There's a few Mennonites now. Um, he, could, he and I, I go, Sprechen Sie Deutsch. <laughs> ja, ja, ja. And I, and I said to him, Kleiner, just a little. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know much, just enough to get in trouble. You know, especially if somebody really goes chattering away, I go, huh? <laughs> um, Gemeinschaft, the reason we hang on to the word Gemeinschaft is because the word community sort of says it, but it's not exactly. Gemeinschaft is that our thinking is in harmony with one another to the point where we really identify with one another. All right. And through the years, the brethren have said, you know, it's important that I identify you as my brother. I identify you as my sister. And it's not just because we're the same color skin or that we, you know, or that our, we got the same relatives or something like that. No, no, no. There's one thing that brings us together and that we identify with one another is that the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. And he is the, he is the anchor. He's the core of who we are as a congregation, as a, as a people. All right. And so uh, Gemeinschaft uh, is, is part of that. Fruitfulness. What is the Lord looking for? What is the Lord looking for? Let's uh, get your Bible here and go back to Isaiah. Uh, we're going to do an Old Testament um, background passage just to, to say, well, you know, this idea, this, what we're talking about here is, uh, is in the Old Testament. Old Testament is a foundation for what we find in the New Testament. Uh, Isaiah chapter 5. Do you know what Isaiah chapter 5 says? Isaiah chapter 5 is, and it starts out with a little song. I am not going to sing it because I don't know the tune. I got the words, but I don't know the tune. All right. It's about a vineyard and about what the Lord is looking for. Read with me into Isaiah chapter 5 and write from the first verse. It says, now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. 
My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. It's, it's located at the right place. It is. And he dug it up. Okay, so he, what is he doing? He's, he's tending to his vineyard and cleared out its stones. He's working at it. And planted it with the choicest vine. The best vines he could find is what he planted in his vineyard. All right. Build a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. By the way, what is a wine press used for? You throw the grapes, when they're ripe, they throw the grapes in the wine press. You go around and around and around on the thing. The stone rolls over the grapes and smashes them out. And over here, out comes the grape juice. This is, this is the owner building the wine press before he even gets grapes. Why? Because he's expecting something. He's looking for something. He's looking for a crop. All right? So he has expectation. Made a wine press. And, and the end of that verse ends, so he expected it to bring forth good grapes. But, but what? It brought forth wild grapes. We're talking about sour, so sour you can't stand it. <laughs> Yikes. And now, O oh, inhabitants of Jerusalem and the men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I had not done in it? Why then, when I expected to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? You know, and the implied answer is what? The grapes had a mind of their own. It was a choice vine. Why? Why? And now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it shall be burned and break down its walls, and it shall be trampled down. It, I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dung, which is fertilized, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant and he looked for justice but behold oppression for righteousness remember righteousness includes what mercy loving kindness mercy has said for righteousness and behold a cry for help. Violence going on, all kinds of chaos going on, and people are what? They're walking away from the Lord. And he says, what am I to do? Yeah, we're just going to tear down the wall and we're just going to let the whole thing be trampled underfoot. Okay, that, that's back, that's the Old Testament uh, 
But remember, he was looking for something. He expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to look at uh, one passage in each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew chapter 3, first part of that chapter. And uh, it talks about fruit bearing in this passage. Matthew chapter 3, in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this as he was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel hair and with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. By the way, those are the insects, not the locust tree. This is insects. He was eating bugs and honey. Right. I, I can get into honey, but I'm not sure about the bugs. Then, then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the regions around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Confessing their sins connects back to verse 2 where it says to what? To repent. They were, they were coming out there and they were confessing their sins, getting baptized. And then verse 7 says, And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to, to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers. Now, what is brood of vipers? That, that is little snakes that are born to big snakes. Vipers implies that they are poisonous. <laughs> and so John the Baptist, he just, he just sort of laying it on the line here a little bit. He said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Don't you guys know the direction you're headed is going to end up in the wrath of God? Don't you know that? You guys being religious guys ought to know. Don't you guys know about that passage back there in Isaiah 5? Yeah, aren't, you're not doing anything about it. Who, who, who warned you? And then verse 8, Therefore, Bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Could God make stones into children? Yeah, you know, you know how big is your God? He's, he's asking how big is your God? And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear what? Good fruit is cut down and thrown where? Yikes. Into the fire. <laughs> Don't tell me the Bible doesn't teach about hell. 
There's a lot of preachers who say, oh, we can't t- even talk about it. No, no, no. If you put yourself outside of God's grace and you reject the grace God gives you and you refuse to give that grace to others, yeah, well, there's a fire and the bad branches go into the fire. Okay. Repent. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Let's go to Luke, Matthew, or, or Mark, I'm sorry, Mark 11. Got my, my books turned around. Mark chapter 11. There's a, a, a passage here about fruitfulness. I don't want you to miss this passage. Mark 11. And this is just a little story. There's two parts to the story. There's part of the story and then another story and then it goes back to the original story. Uh, Verses 12 to 14, Mark 11, starting with verse 12. says, Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, which is right south of Jerusalem, uh, he was hungry, Jesus was hungry, And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, notice it, at a distance it looked pretty good. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. No, not just to look at it. He was hungry and what did he want to do? He wanted to eat the figs. All right. (laughs) This is not rocket science. He wanted to see if there was something on it. When he had come to it, he found nothing, nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. And uh, that's been bent out of shape too. No, it just so happened, well, there was no figs there. In response, Jesus said to it, now listen, when you see Jesus, when you hear Jesus, You see the heart of God and you hear the heart of God. Jesus helps us see the reality of the true and living God. He is God incarnate, God in human flesh. And when he, so he hears what he says. This is is really God talking to this tree. Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And dear folks, I dare say, I dare say, not dare say, I dare say that God will say this not only to trees and not only to creatures and not only to individuals and not only to congregations, but whole nations. And if we don't bring forth good things to the Lord, all, all he you know, it looks nice and green on the outside, but there's no fruit, no real fruit. And he goes, all right. And the end of that verse says, and his disciples heard it. He, they heard him say that to the tree. By the way, do you talk to trees? Jesus talked to trees. You ought to talk to trees. By the way, I not only talk to trees, I talk to cars, I talk to, once in a while I talk to my wife. 
She pays more attention than the trees seems like. But, but you know, to have faith. And then that next passage talks about, about what? Having faith in God and so forth. And so let's, let's go on down to verse 19. And it's the rest of the story. When evening had come, he went out of the city, that's Jerusalem, heading back where? To Bethany probably. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the, tree, the, the fig tree dried up from the roots. Yeah, no one's going to eat figs from that tree anymore. And all Jesus said was what? He just, Jesus talked to the tree and there was no more, no more figs from this tree. God is after fruitfulness. And if I don't bring forth fruit to God, then look out. And, and that should make us say, oh God, I want to be fruitful. Make me fruitful. Make me fruitful. Peter, remembering, <laughs> said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Fruit bearing, being fruitful for the Lord, if, gra- if God wants grapes to grow on the grapevine, God wants fruitfulness to come from your life and my life. All right? Uh, it's really in God's heart. Let's go to Luke. Luke 13. Another passage about fruitfulness and bearing fruit. Luke 13. And starting with verse 6. And this is a parable. This is teaching of the Lord Jesus. This is teaching from the heart of God, purely inspired by the Holy Spirit with no human contamination. (laughs) You know, I can get up, pray, preach, prophesy, whatever, but you know, my word is not perfect, not like Jesus. You, You need to test what I say, all right? Here he speaks this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Yeah, that was like the back there in Mark. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? Why does it waste space, really, is what it says in the Greek. (laughs) Why is this tree wasting space in my vineyard? But the, the, uh, the keeper in the vineyard, he says, but he answered and said to him, Sir, sir, 
let alone this year also. So it's been a number of years, this one more year, one more year, this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down and get rid of it. What is Jesus teaching in this? That if you don't bear fruit overnight, yeah, he'll, he'll have some patience with you. Thank you, Jesus, for having patience with me. You ever tell him that? Thank you, Jesus, for having patience with me, for forgiving me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But God, I really do want to be fruitful. And I want to learn to be fruitful. Okay? The last passage we want to look at is from John. And you probably, if I talk about fruitfulness, you may know this passage well enough to, uh, to say, oh, I know where that's at. The vine and the branches. And let's, uh, let's read the, the first part of that passage. John chapter 15, starting with the first verse. This is at the Last Supper. One of the last things Jesus talks about before he, he's crucified is what? About being fruitful in him. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Chop, chop. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That why? Why does he prune? That it may bear more fruit. You are already cleaned or you're already pruned because of the word that I have spoken to you. You're pruned. Remember that. You're pruned by the word of God. Pruned. Chop, chop. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Circle much. For without me you can do nothing. Circle nothing. <laughs> if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them where? Yep, there it is again. The fire... They throw them in the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. There it is again. You can circle much. Much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Why does he prune? I'm, this, is, this, is, this is the part of takeaway that I want you to take home. 
does the Lord prune you? If the Lord prunes you, consider it a divine compliment. Instead of, you know, by the way, so God did not make the peanut butter fall on my big toe. And that was my own stupid fault. Uh, angel didn't do it. No. But you know, there are some things that I think he did to prune me. And, and by the way, I don't think <laughs> if your life is nice and comfortable, you know, we were talking a little bit about this before the service out there about, you know, we thought we had everything all worked out and something else comes up, you know. That's right, Paul. Dear friends, there are times when discomfort is a sign that God is at work. Work on the inside of me, work in my brain, 